Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Trailblazers, a new series of podcasts here with um, analysts from GigaOM. And it is the Tech on Fire podcast, looking to where technologies come from and where it is heading. And I am delighted to be joined today by Logan Andrew Green, who writes on IoT and a number of the other subject areas that GigaOM focuses on. Hello. There, Logan, how are you? Hi, Rose. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. So we're going to talk about IoT, so the Internet of Things. And it would be great just to get a little bit of a backstory to yourself, Logan, and, you know, how you've come to, to you know, be an analyst and talking about these types of things and how you're seeing IoT and some of the other subject areas that, that you are involved with. Yeah, absolutely. First off, my name is uh, Logan Andrew Green. I work as a networking and security analyst for GigaOM. We're actually in the process of formalizing our research on IoT, so we should be shortly be publishing some some new reports on the area. Right. Uh, other than that, I've uh, also been working with uh, Vodafone, and mm-hmm. for non-European listeners, uh, Vodafone is a telecommunications company based based mainly. Uh, from the UK, mainly in Europe and uh, uh, Middle East and Africa. Mm-hmm. I worked there as a cloud and security portfolio manager. And before that, I've actually held a couple of engineering roles. Great. So you're looking at the market and also the technology, which is perfect. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So um, perhaps if we sort of dive in and talk a little bit about, you know, how has IoT sort of progressed? Because we were, you know, just talking very generally earlier about obviously we run awards and we've had an IoT category for a number of years, but it wasn't there right at the beginning. So we're coming into our 10th edition. So I, we've been tracking IoT startups for about seven years. So, you know, how has this all come about and why is it important and why are we seeing a lot of um, startups in that space? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I think IoT is an interesting one. First off, because it's it's been around for a while. I think uh, the first connected devices you had them back in the in the eighties. I, I think the first one uh, was the connect, connected toaster, or, or something along those lines. And I- even though it's been a while since then, um, I think the fact that you've covered it for the past, let's say, seven years, it's uh, pretty much the point where it started picking up. Um, and I believe the reason for that is that besides the IoT connectivity, which you could see is fairly straightforward, uh, there is also a lot of advancements around uh, data analytics, cloud computing, uh, and then just general operational um, activities such as you know deploying, onboarding devices, and so on that weren't really readily available back, uh, let's say in the in the mid 2000s and so on. Uh, so I think it's a combination of things. Uh, that's pretty much facilitating the deployment of uh, IoT. Uh, and that's why at this point, we're seeing a bunch of startups. And uh, also besides startups, yeah, you also have all the large telecommunication players leveraging, leveraging their radio networks. So it's really a, a mixture of uh, many things, this uh, mm-hmm. IoT industry that we're looking at. Yeah, and the telecommunications um providers have always been very keen to engage with innovative uh, new organizations as well and, and I'm sure along the along the years have acquired a number of them themselves so that that's good 
Um, so where are you seeing that IoT is gaining particular traction at the moment? What kind of use cases are you seeing as being sort of highlighted by the organizations that you, you know, that you are, are talking about, that you are providing insights for? Yeah, so um, I think, first off, it's very important to make a distinction between the, let's say, technology used and then the use cases related to those. Yeah. Uh, I'll get a bit technical in here in, in the right. terms of saying that, um, on the one hand, we've got the high data transfer, low latency applications, mm -hmm. and those are typically supported by, by as I said, uh, telecoms providers especially with uh, new technologies such as 5G and so on. And you can have use cases such as connected cars or remote controls or uh, drone surveys or edge computing or, and stuff like that. And on the other hand, you've got a completely different set of use cases, which is mainly based around uh, low data transfers. And those would be your sensors, for example. So let's say uh, you want to build a smart city or a smart factory, anything like that you wouldn't necessarily be interested in having like very high uh, very high data transfer expensive and hard to maintain infrastructure like you do with uh, other industries mm. and um yeah um i've seen a lot of movement without, within the low data transfer uh, particularly with uh, low powered wide area networks um and because we've got from the electromagnetic spectrum, we've got an unlicensed um, uh, bit of it. Uh, anybody can use it, so you don't need to buy a license like the large telecom operators do, which are typically very expensive. Uh, so you can use the uh, unlicensed spectrum, which also is what Wi-Fi uses and so on. Um, and smaller companies can build their own technologies within that space and then uh, have some uh, real impact on those use cases that focus on, for example, monitoring and censoring. Yeah. And, and you've mentioned two different sort of from a technology perspective of instances, you know, the, the high throughput, lots of data, and the other one, which is very much low, low throughput of data. Um, what kind of industries are you seeing picking up on those two separate types of IoT? I don't think... In the whole IoT space, that there is an industry that's not going to be interested in taking it, mm -hmm. um, which you know would would make sense because it's something that uh, uh, you look at futuristic movies and you see everything connected. It's exactly the thing that's going to get us there. Um, and uh, let's say for the low data transfer, uh, you would be looking mainly at monitoring applications. So as I mentioned. Smart cities, you let, let's say you want to have your smart parking meters or uh, air quality monitoring and so on. Uh, you've got agriculture, uh, you've got industrial IoT, so anything within uh, the manufacturing or heavy industries, uh, smart buildings, for example, would be, would be another use case. Hmm. And then on the other spectrum, where you have the high data transfers, um, there's a lot of movement within automotive. So those would be your connected cars. And it's not necessarily just self-driving, but something that would enable uh, cars to receive uh, high throughputs of data. Yeah. And uh, some other interesting applications, for example, would be remote surgery. Uh, so this would be something, for example, with 5G, you can have um, 
a medical practitioner, a doctor, or surgeon, uh, that could be in a completely different space and then operating within a, uh, on a patient um, with minimal latency, and it would all be done uh, remotely. So, I mean, that, that's interesting because that was one of my other questions was talk about 5G and that, you know, how that will transform, you know, the adoption element of it and what's possible, because obviously we're talking about unbelievable transfer of data speeds and, and, and whatnot with regards to that. Um, you see, I mean, 5G has obviously been is the buzzword in the mobile space right now. Um but it's not, you know, we, we have devices, but the the infrastructure itself hasn't quite got there yet. You know, in, in the same way as we were talking about, you know, the, the ability to have home access to the Internet, we haven't quite got there with 5G. Do you see that as being something that will be moving forward? You know, if we're looking 10 years ahead, are we going to have ubiquitous 5G then? You know, a bit, bit future gazing for you. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting question, and and the reason for that is uh, it could be yes and it could be no, yeah. um, and the reason for that is five G is first off very expensive, yeah. uh, and then second uh, because it's within that um, higher frequency band, it doesn't it means it doesn't propagate as far as uh, lower frequencies do, and you also have got line of sight issues, so they are not. Uh, um, necessarily able to penetrate buildings and so on. Uh, so there are definitely places where you can have 5G um, as you know a driving force for innovation and so on. But whether you are you know uh, on top of a mountain, do you need 5G 5G connection there? Now the, my my gut feeling says no. And would you have a lot of uh, money being invested to provide 5G on top of the mountain? Again, my my gut feeling says no. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be widespread. It's definitely going to be present in most metropolitan areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, lower density, lower population areas. Do you need 5G there? And if you do, then what's the cost to actually do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, on the on the other hand, uh, just to circle back to the uh, IoT discussion, when you've got those um, low... Yeah. Sorry, that was my doggy there. <laughs> oh, hello! Not not an internet of, of dogs there. You haven't no, got him no, no, connected up there by any way, and you can get him to like have a little bark when you need. To. No, it's a fully alive dog. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> um, so I was saying that um, long range uh, IoT, for example, that uses that lower end of the uh, of the spectrum, you can really have wide coverage with that. So you can have nationwide coverage. Uh, for small data transfers, and it can be on top of the mountain at you know a pretty pretty low cost. Um, so so yes, I think that uh, within the IoT space, you've got multiple use cases with multiple underlying technologies that would uh, that would complement each other. And um, yeah, there's there's a lot of movement in that. And I think both smaller startups and then larger uh, telecom players are really focusing on getting some partnerships to make sure that they don't uh, miss out on any of those selling points. Yeah. And obviously that's one of the areas that we're going to see, see the startup activity being where they're you know able to perhaps not necessarily on the, well, on the 5G as well, but certainly on those, those unrestricted bands, those 
that those parts of the spectrum to use that, for example, with Wi-Fi and such like. So I think what you were saying very much is, is you know, is very much mirrors the way that we see things like, you know, fiber connectivity and other other types of connectivity in the communication space. It will start in those, shall we say, in the urban jungle, well before it would even be considered for like a real jungle, for example. Are we seeing, well, I suppose this brings us into another part. You've, you've talked about IoT being one of your areas, but obviously security is an area that you also uh, spend a lot of time thinking about is security going to be part of the the challenge really for widespread spread adoption of of IoT because you know we're talking about billions potentially already of of devices that are connected and you know security is obviously going to be an element of that because that will always be that the majority of them will be connected to the you know the core network even if they are you know, working on the edge. Yeah, well, security is definitely a hot topic. And um, simply put, without security, adoption is very, very unlikely. Mm. And um, I think with IoT is especially important with security because when you have a lot of, uh, let's say, cheaper device manufacturers that would skip security altogether just to have a product roll out in the market, that's, that's where we have your main issues. And those are typically um, consum- consumer-oriented and connect through Wi-Fi, for example. Uh, so with uh, IoT, it's very important to have security baked in the uh, protocols that you're using. For example, you can have your narrowband Internet of, of Things or you can have your uh, LoRa. And uh, those have um, encryption pretty much baked in the transmission from the, from the sensor to like the gateway or the base station. And while it's it's not uh, you know a silver bullet that's going to fix anything, having that inherited security within uh, the IoT protocol itself is definitely going to make it much much easier to have confidence in doing IoT deployments. Mm. Uh, it's also a matter of the data that you're transmitting. Um, for example, it could be data that's not necessarily valuable to. Um, to hackers, for example, I was mentioning uh, air quality monitoring. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you, you can you can probably probably see that information available for free online. Uh, do, do you really want to break into it? The other question would be uh, if you gain access to those networks that uh, um, you're not able to do any kind of lateral movement. Uh, mm-hmm. So so there are many many facets to security, and obviously the enterprise um, IT security space will have to expand to include IoT as well. And that's going to be a completely new set of um, challenges, mainly because of the sheer volume of connected devices that we're going to see. I've seen estimates over the past uh, how many years that is going to reach like 20, 30, 40, 50 billion or so on, like uh, five, six devices connected per one person. Uh, Well, this is not necessarily an issue at the moment, uh, it's that the volume of um, connected devices is going to be one of the big challenges that we have to face from a security standpoint. Mm, yeah, and as you say, you know that there will not necessarily be the standards that they're all adhering to. It, the, the manufacturers are very much focused on being able to to do what they're supposed to be doing at that endpoint, rather than worrying about what happens to the data. And 
I mean, do we see this as being a, a privacy element? I mean, you know, we talked about, um, you know, the the hack into the Amazon Ring sort of you know, fancy doorbell that people have. Um, so that could be on a sort of a personal level, could be used as an entry point on on targeted individuals. But against an organisation per se, that's not going to be as much of an issue from what you're saying, because there will be that. The, the core infrastructure will be handling security of you know data that's transmitted and also at rest once it's it's within that sort of more secure environment. Uh, are we going to see that as being that's not necessarily going to be something that's going to be, shall we say, giving you know there's, there's not going to be lost sleep from individuals per se with regards to that, but there could be a knock-on effect into the the corporate security environment from that. You know, we've we've seen that to a degree with this working from home, that, that more things are at in a sort of the, the, a bit more in the wild with individuals. Do you see that that is going to start to become an issue or do you think that that will still be handled pretty well by the, the core core elements of the, the network itself? I think a short answer to this would be that uh, security at every single point will be important. So whether that's uh, uh, you know the uh, device man- manufacturer making sure they they implement their uh, security protocols, uh, user access management, um, you know the um, core transmission of data, the processing of the data, everything is going to be important in security. So I don't think there there is one area where we can uh, uh, say you know this is actually not not such a high risk. Because uh, being quite early in the in the development of IoT, we don't know what kind of implications that would have. And you mentioned privacy before. Yes, I think privacy is definitely a big issue that we need to be aware of, especially in, in the consumer space, but also in enterprise. Um, there is going to be some use cases that are going to touch um, pers- um, you know, personal information from uh, from end users. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think all around we need to to make sure that security is, is taken seriously. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of things do you think are we going to be talking about? You know, if we if we roll forward 10 years, if we do this interview again then, what kind of things do you anticipate we're going to be discussing? What are going to be the challenges and, and what will have happened perhaps a bit more a bit more difficult? Obviously, looking backwards in the rearview mirror on IoTs. Is something that you're well positioned to do, and this is this is a little stre- a little bit more of a stretch, isn't it, to see where things may may develop? Yeah, that's also a great question. I think uh, I'll need to have a quick think about it. But mm-hmm. what uh, immediately comes to mind would be um, saturation within metropolitan areas. I, mean, I don't think that's necessarily an immediate threat, uh, but in high density areas. Uh, we might start running into issues about, uh, you know, channel communications and uh, overlapping between devices that want to um, talk to a gateway or a base station. Uh, so that that might be a bit down the line, let's say maybe 10 years from now, but it's definitely something that we need to keep in mind. Um, and then what could be in the near future, I think it's all going to be around the deployment and management of those IoT networks and solutions. Mm. Uh, so as, as I've mentioned, I don't, we haven't really seen, uh, you know, 
um, explosive growth in the in the uh, enterprise IoT space uh, because it was quite difficult to have, let's say, one vendor that can help you with everything and make sure that the deployment of hardware is smooth, that the onboard, onboarding is going fine, that once you collect the data, you have what to do with it. That's that's a very big one. Uh, so as, as those get uh, more mature, then we're going to see more players starting to look at IoT as an opportunity for business intelligence rather than just having a connected device. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's okay to you know, monitor, for example, um, how, full, uh, how full a rubbish can is, for example. Uh, but it's also important to develop applications that once that rubbish can is full, uh, you can send a notification, for example, to uh, the estates department, and then they can uh, come and sort it out. Um, and it's and it's those types of developments that I think are really going to push IoT forward, making sure that we have actionable insights and it's done in a user-friendly way, pretty much. Because mm, as you say, I mean, data is just data. You need to turn it into knowledge that's powerful and that can be used. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So what other things do you think are bubbling away that are going to be something that's going to be getting your attention that you're starting to track? Because obviously you look at, you know, where the established players in this market are, but what kind of things are you kind of keep starting to see perhaps in the smaller, you know, the, the bit more of the tech trailblazers type of um, organizations, the startups in the IoT space? Yeah, I, th- I think we've we've touched uh, upon a few of those al- uh, already. You mentioned at one point edge computing. And I think that's that's a really key one. Mm. Um, so with uh, edge computing, you can really offload the processing from the end device onto, let's say, a uh, more powerful machine that sits uh, in relative proximity to that to that end device, yeah. and. Uh, that's that's especially the case with IoT, and uh, you know, c- combining that with uh, uh, mobile ed- edge computing, for example, and five G, it's it's really going to give us some some new use cases. Um, so, besides edge computing, which could also work hand in hand with uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, for example, you can have a surveillance camera, and you can have a computer vision algorithm on that that. Uh, recognizes faces, for example, uh, rather than having a bulky camera that needs to to do all of that, uh, you can have it in a remote place, a small camera that's connected by a 5G network, and then all the processing is being done uh, off the device, and then um, uh, the data from that can be sent to whatever uh, intelligence application you need to use. So that's that's one area. And then what uh, I've also observed a, a lot of people working on is making sure that they have those uh, partnerships. And um, it's it's partnerships across the technology landscape. Mm-hmm. So at, at this point, you, you can't really have any kind of technology that's not deeply integrated with what uh, whatever every, everybody else is doing. Uh, so you need to be able to have some sort of way of communicating with cloud service providers, for example. Uh, you need to, have, to make sure you have the device manufacturers on board. Uh, you need to work with system integrators to deploy solutions. Uh, and it's also a matter of having your technology to be uh, vendor agnostic. Uh, so you might develop as a startup your own protocol, 
but uh, if you're um, the, the only one who's using it compared to some uh, some competitors who are using multiple protocols, even though they have some proprietary ones developed, uh, you're going to fall short uh, because um, you don't really know what kind of requirements your customers are going to have and what kind of systems they already have in place. Uh, so the person who has the, the uh, vendor who has most flexibility in, in this area is definitely going to have the upper hand. Yeah, I think that's really important, both with the bigger established players and with other startups as well, because sometimes you have a piece of a puzzle which on its own may be useful, but if you put it with something else that's being developed, you could have a killer app or a killer device or a killer solution, shall we say, that can revolutionize things. And, and that's going to be important. We've certainly seen ourselves that not so much in the IoT space, but we've had you know, tech trailblazers who have acquired other ones to, to bring that into their portfolio. So I think we'll be seeing a lot of activity in that space as well, both acquisition of IoT players by the, you know, the larger incumbents, but also, you know, perhaps those smaller players kind of coming together to provide a, a richer portfolio that perhaps ticks more boxes, both from the enterprise and the consumer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be a a matter of being able to uh, sell your solution globally as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to have your partner ecosystem to span as many geographical areas as you can. Uh, and there is a lot of players who who've started doing that. Um, I think it's quite tempting, especially when, when you start off as a smaller company, to just have your network <laughs> operating within, within one geographical area or to be to be able to support solution deployments just in that one area, but uh, the further out you can uh, you can span, uh, you're you're going to be able to have uh, many more opportunities. Mm, yeah, and I mean, are you are you seeing any regions that are particularly driving this that perhaps are what you'd see as yeah. being a bit further ahead? Maybe there's wider adoption of 5g or wider availability of 5g that maybe that's marrying up in those regions so i'm i'm fairly surprised usually um uh, the usa leads in pretty much everything that's tech related mm-hmm. but uh, for those cases specifically i'm seeing a lot of players in uh france germany netherlands and belgium uh, so those areas especially especially france i think there's mm, a lot of focus on IoT there, uh, and they've also got some some uh, powerful incumbent operators. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, uh, Orange or Orange. Um, not only do they have their own, um, you know, carrier network that they can support IoT from, uh, but they also use unlicensed with LoRaWAN, so they can support um, deployments in that area as well. So I think, especially, especially. Uh, in, in France, particularly, they're they're quite quite ahead of many other players. Uh, but yeah, I've seen a lot of startups of, and movement in those four countries in particular. Yeah. Now there is, I should also mention China because China is uh, by absolute numbers the leading country with connected devices. I don't have a, a lot of insight about what they use and how they do it, uh, but uh, but they're definitely up there. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to see a lot of activity. Do you, how do you feel that the US will fare in that? Not, I wouldn't say it's battle of IoT, but do you think that that's something that they can 
to, you know, is that an infrastructure thing or do you think that they're just focusing a lot of their innovation in other areas? The U.S. is not behind by any means. It's just that I haven't seen them to be the, uh, you know, the driving force between uh, behind IoT at this point specifically. And I think it's mainly because uh, the USA is a very big country, whereas, for example, Netherlands is very small. So they have a much easier time uh, deploying um, uh, IoT networks. Um, so, yeah, I think the US is going to make progress quite quickly. There is definitely important players in the US and they've got uh, some of the uh, bigger, biggest operators worldwide. Mm. Um, I, ex I expect that before uh, deploying IoT networks within the um, major population centers, that the rural deployment will, will be delayed compared to other smaller countries. And I think that's that's kind of the, the nature of the uh, technology. You can't really expect them to uh, invest billions and billions to create a network that spans the whole country and then have very slow adoption. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you need to make it commercially viable. And as you say, in some of the smaller countries, you can roll it out much more swiftly and, and therefore get that that ability to to have it pay off quicker, which obviously would be helpful. So IoT moving forward, are there other things that we should be keeping an eye out or other things that we'll start to see play out over the coming years? In in terms of what I think people that are interested in deploying IoT solutions uh, should should keep in mind is that I think IoT, especially for myself, I thought it's quite intuitive at first. Uh, you know, you have you have your device, you connect it to the internet, and that's pretty much it. Uh, but the supply chain is fairly fairly intricate, uh, so it's important whenever you're interested in. Uh, uh, deploying those networks that uh, you uh, either, if you decide to do it in-house, uh, do adequate research uh, to know what the what the steps are to deploying it, or partner with a reputable systems integrator. And I think the challenge with the first one, especially, uh, is that all the literature that I've seen available at the moment, it's either very very technical or very very high level. So, for example, with the technical one, they can, um, uh, you can find out why sensors use uh, AES-128 instead of AES-256 as the encryption. Uh, but in terms of um, usefulness, when you look at to when you look to deploy something, you know that's that's not the, uh, your uh, your go-to information, right? Uh, so this is one of the challenges that I'm, I'm trying to tackle with the GigaOM research. Uh, so I'm really trying to, to make sense of what the supply chain looks like and then what an uh, IT buyer needs to know to deploy one of those solutions. And it might be just as easy as, you know, partner with, uh, with, the, with the right systems integrator and they're going to pretty much hold your hand to deploy the whole IoT solution. Uh, but it's very important to make sure that you're aware of the uh, vertical that you're in, of what sensors and devices are available, of what your use cases are. And then when it comes to, you know, the backend infrastructure, let's say the network management and whatever protocols you're going to use, while that's uh, important, I think it should be um, taken not as the main decision factor in terms of 
how can I deploy this? Because you can achieve one use case uh, with multiple protocols. So rather than getting stuck on, oh, let me understand this very, very low level technical detail uh, between why, why this is good and why this is uh, bad, for example, uh, it's mm -hmm. important to start with the use case and then work your way back. And uh, then after you have everything mapped out, that you select the right uh, protocol for your needs. And chances are they're going to be multiple. That's great. I mean, certainly from from what you're saying, it's it's important for particularly the small players who have maybe a part of a solution or a solution which is has a very specific use case is to look at you know how they fit into the bigger ecosystem and then partner appropriately with you know for example systems integrators who have a specialization in an area where their technology is particularly relevant and useful. Um, but they, but that's obviously something that. They all should be considering if that's you know rather than endpoint sales is to to look at how they fit into the bigger picture. So, is there anything else that you think would be useful to share around looking at the the future of IoT? I guess it would be just in terms of sustainability of your solution. Mm. Uh, you want to make sure that whenever you do a deployment, that you're not going to rip and replace everything every every uh, three to five years, right? So you want to have mm. something that's going to be um, sustainable in the long term, so you can afford to invest that uh, that, that capital upfront, so you can have your um, returns over time rather than going through the whole process uh, all the time. I, I don't think that's going to be necessarily the case. I I don't foresee anything that's going to be revolutionary in terms of you know uh, a completely new protocol or some uh, um, some players completely shaking up the industry. I think the, the environment we see at the moment is fairly strong, it's fairly comprehensive, and it's just, uh, just a matter of really making sure that um, whenever those solutions are deployed, they're deployed with the use case in mind. Mm -hmm. and I think one, one um, I wouldn't necessarily say a piece of advice because it's been most, mostly an observation as most people are doing it. Whenever... Um, new players are developing their solutions or their technology stack and so on. If they focus on being vendor agnostic, like most of them are, um, that's the first step. And then looking at verticals and industry-specific applications, that's the second step. And at that point, it's good to bring in partners that have um, experience in those industries. So mm -hmm. for example, uh, it's better to you know develop a agnostic solution in the beginning, and then work with some uh, some people who are experienced, for example, in manufacturing, uh, to make sure that you can uh, deliver solutions in that area. Yeah, okay, very good. Well, that's that was brilliant. So, anything else you'd like to add for the conversation that we've had here so far, Logan? No, not really. I think uh, I think we've exhausted quite a few topics at a high level, at least. We've covered a lot of ground there. We have we have covered a lot of the IoT space for sure. Well, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. You guys have been listening to the new Tech on Fire podcast that we're doing in conjunction with GigaOM, and I'm delighted to have been joined today by Logan Andrew Green. Thanks for having me, Rose. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. So, yeah, if you've uh, enjoyed this, please do uh, follow us on Twitter at Tech Trailblaze or find us on LinkedIn. Thanks again to Logan, and we look forward to joining you for future Tech on Fire podcasts.